Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. church. Father in heaven, Lord, we ask for your blessing this morning as we open your word, as Brother Bruno has prayed, and ask Heavenly Father that you will undertake for us this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Generally speaking, life in a fallen world is full of missed opportunities. Some bring regrets. In Judaism, the people are still looking for their Messiah. Unfortunately and sadly, he came and he went. In this portion of scripture that was read, The people in Jesus' audience ask two questions. One, rhetorical, will he kill himself? The second, who are you? To which Jesus responds, responded, your perspective is of earthly nature. And secondly, you will understand and know. Picking up from verse 21, the light of the world, knowing he'll be crucified in six months, said to the pilgrims in the temple, I am going away, and you will seek me, but you cannot come. I'm going away, and you'll seek me, and you'll die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. Now, Jesus keeps pressing this point over and over. Over and over again, we see that in verse 34. We see it again in verse 36. And he said it here again in verse 21, in 821. He's saying it again. This is very important when he keeps repeating himself many times. Where is Jesus going, and who are you that some cannot come? Well, he's going to the place where he came from, where the unprepared, the unrepentant, and the unredeemed cannot enter. That's where he's going. Do you are the self-righteous who have no room for God when it comes to their religious performances to hear deeply what he's saying through Jesus. So the you are the self-righteous, the you are the people who have no room for God, the you are those who are obstinate. 
I'll break that down into three categories there. Let's deal with the first one. The first you. The self-righteous. The self-reliant. The you are the self-righteous and self-reliant people who assumed they are going to heaven, which according to the scripture is a deadly deception when it comes to biblical salvation. Biblical salvation is deliverance from the penalty of sin, deliverance from the power of sin, and one day in the future, deliverance from the presence of sin. That's where Jesus is going. Salvation in Jesus' day among the religious was an intricate legalistic system accomplished by human achievement. The religious people based their hope on going to heaven by performing good works, by observing the religious ceremonies, the rituals, and the laws. But the problem with it is that they could not upkeep the legalistic system perfectly, not externally, not internally. And Jesus called them out. He keeps calling them out all the time. Isaiah has something to say about self-righteous confidence. He said this in 64.6. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Jesus teaching his disciples on the Beatitude in Matthew 5.20. He says, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Translation, external compliance to the religious laws and rituals will, have, will save no one from eternal damnation. Eternal compliance to the religious laws and rituals will save no one. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Only Jesus' imputed righteousness of Christ that he offers will surpass the outward legalistic righteousness of the scribes, the Pharisees, and all religious people today. Only Jesus' imputed righteousness will do that. The religious practices of unbelievers can impress men. Sure, they can impress men, but do not result in salvation. To some who are confident of their own religious righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told his story. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector down there. I fasted twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But beat his breast and said, God, 
have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. What is Jesus teaching us here? That the self-righteous, the human achievers, must cry out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. If not, they will die in their sins, die without being forgiven to the eternal state in hell, never to enjoy heaven. Where I'm going, you cannot come. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The religious authorities, the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, were wasting their God-given opportunities by arguing with Jesus, disputing Him instead of trusting Him, and one day soon, their opportunities would end when the door is closed. And Jesus warns them about this. No wonder the Scripture calls on people today as then, today, if you hear His voice in your heart, not just in our ear, in our heart, do not harden your heart. You see, church, the heart has a way of becoming calloused, numbed by constant rejection and willful ignorance when it comes to Jesus Christ. The heart can do that. Yes, the heart is emotional, but the heart can be stubborn as well. The Apostle Paul addresses the self-righteousness and the self-reliant club from which he came out from. He addresses them by saying, works, by works of the law, no flesh will be justified in God's sight. Period. And he went on in another portion of Scripture. If someone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. He trashed all his religious baggage away when he came to know Jesus Christ. He did not depend on them anymore. And being found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Jesus calls people out of the religious rituals. He calls them out from the religious rituals. 
She says, come unto me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The question we ask ourselves, what are the religious performances I'm hanging on to instead of hanging on to Jesus to get into his kingdom? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. And that's an ongoing question. The second you I want to talk about are the reasoning and the thinking with those with natural from a natural perspective. With Jesus' pronouncement in verse 21 brings the rhetorical question in verse 22. Surely he will not kill himself, will he? They had in mind suicide. They suggest that Jesus is speaking of killing himself. They labeled him as a demon-possessed person. And in that sense, he will go to hell. Now, where the reasoning for such understanding came from? Well, the Jews in Jesus' time believed those who commit suicide went to the darkest part of hell. The first century historian Josephus wrote, The souls of those of whose hands have acted madly against themselves are received by the darkest place in Hades. That's where they get it from. God had thought he would commit suicide. Now Jesus responds to their earthly perspective. You are from below. In other words, you are fallen creatures. Living in a fallen world, you do not have the spiritual aptitude to know unless I open your eyes. I am from above. You are from below. You are ground level. I am not of this world, but I am the light of the world, offering you the priceless gift so you can come to where I am going. See, church, man's origin in their natural state is limited when it comes to heavenly understanding. Jesus' interaction with Nicodemus Earlier, in John chapter 3, in verse 12, he said, I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? In 1 Corinthians 2.14, it clearly states that a natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand 
them because they are spiritually discerned. It's a natural mindset. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, and 1 John 2, 16 describe the below in the pre-ungenerate fallen state. Let me see if I can get that on the screen. For you were dead in your transgression and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the rule of the kingdom of the air, and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And then follow up with that, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. A worldly perspective, ground level. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That is man's state and in need of God's mercy and forgiveness. If people do not believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed Messiah, who is the bread of life, the light of the world that came from above to rescue them from eternal damnation, they will suffer the consequences of eternity in hell. That's where it's going. That's the state of mankind. Those who continue in unbelief, refusing to embrace Jesus of all He is and what He has done on the cross and in His resurrection, they will die in their sins and be lost forever. You cannot come where I'm going. The third you I want to talk about is the obstinate. The obstinate. We'll find that in verse 25 to 30 as we go forward. The third you are those who will die in their sins because they're obstinate. They responded, they responded in verse 25. Who are you? Who do you think you are to judge us? You ever end up in some argument with some people? That's what they said to Jesus. Who are you? Who do you think you are to judge us? That we are going to die in our sins. Their query reflects spiritual ignorance and stubborn hearts. That's what it does. Jesus responded to their remark. As I was telling you from the beginning, man, in my ministry. I am he. The phrase, I am he, in verse 24, supports both Jesus' claim of the long-awaited Messiah, the Christ. And as if he's saying to them, seeing that you have some struggle with that one, you have some problem, see if you can handle this one now. Something you can worry about. And use the word, I am. See if you can handle that. Something more to worry about. 
And he uses the same phrase, translates from the Hebrew language to the Greek in Exodus 3.14, I am who I am. I am transcendence. I am beyond. I am other. Nothing in comparison and nothing to compare me to. Period. Keep that verse in mind because I want to get to another verse where we're going to compare this. Who Jesus is when he claimed to be I am. So Jesus applies to himself Yahweh. Yahweh, the name of God that was so sacred to the Jews, they would not pronounce it, being afraid they'll be struck by lightning and be killed because of breaking the second commandment. Do not use the name of the Lord in vain, God in vain. And Jesus used it. Now, unlike many modern cults, Jehovah Witness and all others, the Jews of Jesus' day understood perfectly what he was claiming to be. And they attempted to stone him. And when you look down in your Bible, in verse 59, you're going to see the attempt to stone him for his claims. The overwhelming evidence made it obvious who Jesus was. So he merely replied to their, who are you? Remark, I am he. The one who you are waiting on. Just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the light of the world. I've been telling you this from the beginning. But you're so obstinate and stubborn, you will not listen. Now, Scripture answers to the phrase, Who do you think you are to judge us? In John 5, 21 to 24, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so, the Son gives life to whom He is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Who are you to judge us? He has a right. He has authority. That all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father. Who sent Him? And he said that over and over again as we were looking to. The Father sent me. The Father sent me. The Father sent me. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. Jesus' substitutionary death and resurrection Bridge the gap. Bring us, bring us sinners near to a holy God. That's what he did. Jesus had nothing more to say to them, but continued. I have much to say about you and much to judge. I will not get into all of that at this moment, as if he's telling them. But I'll tell you. That the one who sent me is true, and I will declare it to the world. Paraphrasing, whether you like it or not, I'm going to declare it to the world. 
you might hate me, you might try to stop me, you're going to try to stone me, you're going to try to kill me, but I will tell the world. Because that is what the Father sent me to do. They have been given more evidence than enough to be held responsible. Their ignorance was inexcusable. And fast forwarding in John 8.43, Jesus speaking, Why do you not understand what I say? And he's given the answer as well. It is because you cannot bear to hear the word. Stubborn and willful ignorance is in the play. They are in the play. Now Jesus' judgment of them is in perfect harmony with the Father's will. For it was the Father who sent him and Jesus spoke only of the things which he heard from him and declared it to the word. And in verse 27, with their lack of understanding, due to the stubbornness and willful ignorance, they did not realize that Jesus had been speaking to them about the Heavenly Father. Now, Jesus didn't bother getting to get into that. Jesus didn't bother getting into that. However, he said there's a coming day when the truth of Jesus' claims will be confirmed. And in verse 28, he said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, the phrase Son of Man implies Jesus' humanity in reference to His crucifixion and His resurrection, then you will know that I am He, who? The Messiah, the Christ, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always pleases Him. See, church, Jesus' death and resurrection will vindicate every claim ever made by Him. What the prophets wrote about and what the apostles preached. Some of the Jews who rejected Jesus would later realize that they had been terribly mistaken about Him. Because on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 Jews would come to receive Him as the Messiah. 3,000. Their eyes were opened. Kate, their eyes was opened. Let me give Keith some credit how God works in his life. I had two hymns to choose. I said, I'm going to tell Keith two hymns to choose. I gave him nothing but the blood of Jesus. The other one, I held back willfully. What was it, Keith? Open the eyes of my heart. Lord. Three thousand people, Jews, come to receive him as a Messiah, the Christ. And verse 29, at no time Jesus was left alone. Each of his expression was a claim to equality with God. At all times he did the things that pleases God. And as he spoke, the Bible says, many believed. Church, the seriousness of salvation 
is a matter of eternal life and eternal death. There is no alternative, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. Jesus spoke about hell more than heaven and gives the warning of a broad road Christians with that lifestyle and a narrow road Christian I'll just say a narrow road Christian a broad road lifestyle professing Christians and a narrow road narrow gate Christians which only few will find see life in a fallen world is full of missed opportunities. And we know how those opportunities can bring regret, especially when it's too late. Here is God's offer. In John 6, 40, if I can get it on the screen, I'll read it anyway. I'll read it. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks, for everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them on the last day. For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Who is Jesus? He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. The Anointed One who came from above to save sinners below from eternal damnation. Who is Jesus? He is the I am. And to cast away any shadow of doubt, just couldn't get that to go in. Technology, maybe my fault. And to cast any shadow of any doubt of who Jesus is in his own words in Revelation 22 13, and I'm going to read it, I just can't get it on the screen. Maybe it's there now. He confirms as the Messiah, he makes the claim as a Messiah and God after he was resurrected. Mm, here it is. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Compare that with what we read before. When God said, nothing going to compare to him. Jesus claims that. He is the I am. I am he. The Messiah. The Christ. I am God. That is why he can judge. He was the judge. He can judge. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last. The beginning and the end. And Titus, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Folks, if you're watching online and you're sitting here and you're wondering who is Jesus, 
Don't go no further. It's right there. He is who he claimed to be. Not only the Messiah, not only the Christ, but he's God of very God. So where do we go from here? Knowing that and believe that. In John 14, 1, 3, John 14, 1, 3 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, also believe in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that where I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I'm going and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. That's what Jesus said, folks. That's the living hope. The living hope that believers have who put their trust in Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the anointed one. Now what are we to do with what we learn from Scripture and what we experience in life? We are to proclaim who He is and why He came to earth. As the scripture says, God who through Christ reconciled us to Himself. And what He did, church? He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are for who? God is doing what? Making his appeal through us. We have work to do. We have work to do. Now, you will encounter people who are religious and self-reliant. People with a worldly mindset and values. People who are stubborn and ignorant of the truth. Yet, we must proclaim respectfully. They're going to get on your nerves sometime. They're going to make your blood want to rush. Keep calm. Proclaim it respectfully. Though Jesus encountered resistance, there were people whose hearts were open to believe and accept. We see this in 731 and again in verse 30. And he was saying these things and many believed in him. The last slide, if it comes up, see, yep. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, 
Kept where, folks? In heaven for who? Who by God's power are being guarded through? For a salvation ready to be revealed? In this you greatly rejoice. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Storms come in life. We do not look for stress. Stress comes. You don't invite them. There's a lot of troubling waters. There's a lot of problems that surround us and even our own lives. So grief is going to come and all kinds of trials. But as believers, you have a living hope. A living hope because of who Jesus is and what he has accomplished for his recipients. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, O Lord, for revealing yourself to us through our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, who substitute his body to pay the penalty for our sins so that we can go to where he is. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.